Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti. And we all thank you for joining us uh, uh, on this lovely Thursday. It's Valentine's Day, Natalie. Oh, it is. Where's the light, lovely music? I know. <laughs> I know, I know. But anyway, let's get on with it because I know we all have big Valentine's Day plans. <laughs> uh, and in the studio with me is The Times Chief Stats Officer, Bill Edgar. And down the line, we're delighted to be joined by Henry Winter. Later on, we'll be discussing how far Manchester United are from the European elite. But we start with a wonderful night at Wembley for Tottenham. The team sitting third in the Premier League thrashed the Bundesliga leaders Borussia Dortmund 3-0 in the first leg of their last 16 tie in the Champions League. Henry, you were there. We often talk about the improvements in players season by season. Does Maurizio Pochettino just get better and better? Well, he does, and he makes players better and better. He makes the right decisions during the games. You saw it with his substitution. Lorente came on, first touch, scored. You saw it with the impact that he clearly had on his players at half-time, tactically and also their mood as well. Um, I think he just, obviously wasn't in the dressing room, but all the signals are, was that he told them to be bolder. He told the wing-backs to push higher up. And basically just to go for uh, for Dortmund. I mean, we've seen in Dortmund's recent games that they're vulnerable to uh, to, to, to crosses and corners, obviously missing some of their, their major players at the back, actually throughout the team. And Spurs' tactics were right. Three deliveries, three good goals. Henry, the one thing that impressed me most about Pochettino, the one gamble, and, and we knew it was coming, but that just blew me away, was, was Jan Vertonghen. Because obviously he's left-footed, he has played left back before, albeit you don't see it so much anymore. Danny Rose isn't able to start. Ben Davies is injured. He doesn't just play him on a left back. He plays him at left wing back, decides to go with a back three, which basically forces Vertonghen to kind of gallop up and down the wing and cover the whole wing. And Vertonghen's a, he's a good athlete. He's fast over longer distances. And this have the quickest first step, as you would expect from, from a guy his size. And he turns in that kind of performance where, where he's got the movement and he's got the quality on, on, on the cross. I thought that was simply that that was simply unreal from Pochettino. Were you expecting him to that, that he would have interpreted the position in that way? Well, I thought it was quite brave, particularly when you're up against Jaden Sancho. 
and Hakimi as well, who's 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 good from from right back. And he got caught out for one of the goals, but he was, uh, you know, that's quite a strong combination that Dortmund have got on that side. I think that when you look at Spurs over recent years, they've brought good characters as well as good players, and there's very little ego at all in that dressing, which in a way is embodied by Harry Kane. Deli Ali, that you know, these are not individuals who have an inflated view of their worth. They give absolutely everything. Ericsson, obviously, those two were injured last night, but Ericsson gives everything. Human Son, who's been one of the players of the season, embodies that sort of Pochettino ethic of give everything for the team, adapt, play in different positions, help your teammates out. And, and Vertonghen, you see, the, the other thing about Vertonghen, he does have that very good understanding with Alvarez, who was playing on the left of the three centre-backs. So in a way, they could work out how to deal with Sancho, as, as well as Vertonghen getting forward so effectively, particularly in the second half. Hyungmin Son, he scored the uh, opening goal, of course. He's often, Bill, described, I suppose, as underrated. Is he underrated? Does he deserve to be considered as one of the best in the Premier League? Yeah, he certainly does. I mean, he, he was probably underrated a month or so ago, but he's getting so much praise now, you probably couldn't say he's underrated. But uh, he, his, his versatility, as we've just been mentioning, uh, with Tottenham players, they're very versatile. Certainly with Son, he's he can play as a conventional winger, he can play as a number 10, but also as a striker, That the goal he scored last night. Uh, when Vertonghen put a great crossover, Son just peeled off the the defender like like a you know seasoned centre forward. He knew exactly the right thing to do, and it was a nice cushioned shot. So I mean he's so uh, he's been obviously he's it's perfect for Tottenham at a time when Kane and Alia are out. Um, having said that, I still think Christian Eriksen is probably the most important player and, and will be unless Kane is in one of his purple patches where he's scoring one and a half goals a game. Uh, I mean, Ericsson is really the, the master. He makes them tick, and uh, he, he was very good in the second half, I thought. Rationally, you look at this, and, and you mentioned Ericsson, you expect a physical drop-off because he's played a ton of minutes. He's got a contractual issue. He's got a big contractual issue to sort out. So does Alderweireld. You know, in normal circumstances, you expect these things to start to start affecting you. In the same way, all the injuries in normal circumstances should be affecting Tottenham. You know, we don't talk about it anymore, but obviously Pochettino's been linked left, right, and center to Manchester United, right? Now we don't talk about it because, oh, look, Solskjaer's doing well. So, But all these things in normal circumstances should be affecting Spurs and should have been affecting Spurs for a while. And yet they have it. And I think that speaks to the tremendous chemistry, to the, the, the tremendous leadership, to the tremendous environment that Pochettino has, has created uh, at Tottenham where, where they seem insulated from all these things. And look, if they don't go on to win the Champions League or push Liverpool and City in, in, in the Premier League, or even if they fall to fourth, all of which might happen, people may be like, oh, look, I told you so, oh, you know. But the reality is what they have achieved thus far with all these challenges, with all these injuries, is simply out of this world. And I just know that some Muppet this summer, like, oh, look, Pochettino still hasn't won anything. Ha, ha, ha. Look how Spursy. Look, they fell from the, from third to, to fourth or whatever. You know, if they do, and they might not. And that's all nonsense. You have to look at the performances in context. And this this is just, I think, it's just tremendous what we're seeing. 3-0 mm. then, they take into that second leg. Do we give Borussia Dortmund any chance of turning this tie around, Henry? Not particularly, no. I mean, I know it's a fantastic 
stadium to, to go to and the, you know, the yellow wall and the fans will be absolutely you know, up for it and will create a, a great atmosphere and they might have one or two players back, you know, to the likes of, of Royce, people like that. But uh, no, I think the thing is, is that you can see Spurs going there and scoring and then they have to score five and, you know, that's that's not going to happen, you know, not with the quality of defenders and a goalkeeper like Luis. So it'd be interesting to see whether actually uh, Pochettino rotates, rests any players or, or brings players back in to give them a few minutes. So, uh, but just on, on Gab's point about sort of the Muppets as he calls them, ha- having a go at Pochettino and he's, and, and he's trying to I mean, you know, <laughs> the views like that are inevitable in football because football is tribal. There's no way that you are going to get many Arsenal fans publicly on social media praising Pochettino or other fans. So Gab, as a sort of clear-eyed observer, you can see what Pochettino is doing. And the other great thing they've got going for them is they're about to move into probably it's going to be definitely the best stadium in the country probably in the top three stadiums in the world, football-wise, in terms of its design, its closeness to the pitch, roots in the community. Obviously, there are going to be huge transport issues when it opens, which no one's really sort of predicted yet. But it is going to be amazing when they go there. And the buzz around Spurs is going to be absolutely huge. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. The direction of travel, look, tro- trophies will come for, 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 for this team. The only concern is, is that one or two of their players... Arguably, the manager don't get uh, yield away. But then, why leave Tottenham at this point? You know, what there's seventy odd thousand at uh, at Wembley last night. Horrible stadium. The fans would much rather go to to to, to their new home. That will be absolutely packed. They've got good players. They've got probably in the top three training grounds in Europe. Are, you know, probably in Europe, let alone England. Um, so, so much is 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 going right for them, and the trophies will come. Spurs absolutely hit really hard by injuries, but. Let's also mention, and I agree with Henry, you know, a three-goal deficit is really hard to turn around, and maybe they won't, but mitigating circumstances for Borussia Dortmund, in the same way that Harry Kane and Dele Alli are out for, were out for Spurs, they were without Marco Royce, who's more than just a top scorer. He's their, their, their absolute talisman. They were without Paco Alcácer, who... You know, who's been a hugely successful striker for them this season after coming on from, from Barcelona. Uh, they were without, at the back, uh, they're without Manuel Akanji, who is leaps and bounds their best central defender. They were without Julian Weigel, who I don't think is good as a center def- central defender, but is a good midfielder and had been starting in central defense. He ended up having to play Diallo, uh, who would have been another option in central defense uh, at left back. And he ended up playing um, Dan Axel Zagadou, who is 19 years old and hadn't actually played, I think, since early December or or late November, was just coming back from injury. The only reason I point this out is, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Spurs. Spurs were hit hard by injuries. Dortmund were also hit hard by injuries. I would have loved to have seen these two teams at full strength going out there. I look forward to the to the return leg. Well done, but you know, just 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 to be fair to to Borussia Dortmund and what they dealt with, and also, I thought in the first half Dortmund played well. It's just that Spurs kicked it onto another level after the break. This season, with your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just eight pounds for an eight week trial. 
Every Thursday at thetimes.co.uk, our very own Bill Edgar provides 11 trivia teasers for you. Here is one for you on this podcast. Paul Scholes this week became the eighth former England international to be a current manager of a league club when he joined Oldham. Who are the other seven? Ooh. <sighs> okay. Do you, think, we, we, do you we, think you could get all of these? We can work this out, Natalie. Between yes, me. Okay. I think we so, should try. Sol Campbell. Good. Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard Jr., that's right. Okay, Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. He must have at least one cap, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good one. Um, is anybody in the Premier League English and a good footballer and no. managing your club? Sorry, I, think, sorry. I think we've got to go into the lower league. Sorry, Roy. Okay, so so th- this is your wheelhouse that I we're, know. we're okay, moving into. I'm thinking, into. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Right. Chris Powell? Chris Powell, definitely cap Chris for Powell. England. Okay, so we're up to four. We're doing, okay, we're, we're doing we pretty are, well we here. Uh, there's a couple that you could debate, but I don't. I, I can't remember if they played for England. It's okay. Who are they? I'll, I'll um, tell you. Joey Barton? Joey Barton definitely played yes. for England. And he is the manager at Fleawood, yes. which is very, very far away. <laughs> it is. Isn't it? Isn't uh, like Fleetwood, like near Carlisle or something? It's in the uh, Lancashire coast, uh, which is near Blackpool Carlisle. Yeah, not, way. But yeah, so okay. beyond Blackpool. So we're up to five mm. now. I would assume there's a higher proportion of English managers the further down you mm. go. Mm. We're only missing two of them. I know we've we done pretty well. We, we should pat ourselves on the back, really, because we have done quite well. Are you going to give up? No, no. I, I Lee Boyer, Charlton manager. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I, he's definitely former England international. I didn't even know that yes. he was managing. But now we really, I really have. That's six. That, that, that's Se- is Seth Johnson a manager? I don't think so. No. <laughs> oh. Michael Ricketts. I'm just going to throw out names of, <laughs> oh of random one cap English. I, that's what it has to be. It has to be a one cap type player. Why don't we say, let's stick around to the end of the podcast. Bill can maybe give us a clue at the end okay. for the last right, one. That's fair. So stick around to yep. the end of the podcast to find out the answer. While it was a dream night for Tottenham, it was something approaching a nightmare for Manchester United at Old Trafford on Tuesday. A red card for Paul Pogba, injuries to Anthony Martial and Jesse Lingard, and a 2-0 victory for Paris Saint-Germain. Paul Hurst has written in the Times about what United need to do to return to the top table of European football. Uh, Henry, you were at Old Trafford. How far off did United look from the elite? Well, a, a long way, but I don't think people are particularly surprised by that, given the the, the changeover of managers, given the uh, the strange squad that has, has, has accumulated. There hasn't been enough proper thinking on that. And I think what uh, Tuesday night showed was the, the inadequacies in the in the squad where it needs strengthening, rather than any sort of damning indictment of Solskjaer's managerial abilities. You know, we've seen in recent games he's got his tactics right, Spurs away, games like that. I just think he was. I thought his tactics were very bold the other night. I thought there was an excitement amongst the Manchester United fans going into a Champions League game, knowing that their team was going to attack. Looking at the looking at Martial running, Rashford running. Lingard was harrowing, closing down early on. There was an energy to Manchester United. And then the, the, the game plan gets undermined by losing two really important players, as you say, the injuries to, to Lingard and Martial, either side of half-time, you know, and they didn't continue. And the replacements, Alexis Sanchez and Juan Mata, are different players. Particularly Alexis Sanchez, he's, he's a strange... It's not working for him. 
Juan Mata has not got that sort of burst of pace or maybe the you know, defensive side of the game. So, it, you know, it completely changed it. So I think there was a lot of sympathy for Solskjaer. But also, again, huge, huge, huge respect for, for a PSG team, which is, has acquired, just like Manchester United did in the 90s. They went to all these away games, to Germany, to, to Monaco, to, and just acquired that ability became almost sort of battle-hardened. Manchester United have got to do that again. PSG, even with injuries, are gaining that understanding of how to, to, to win in Europe. The tactics from Tuchel were, 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 were superb. The, the simple thing of putting Marquinhos on uh, Pogba to disrupt him, to disrupt the, the supply line to Rashford, which has been so effective for, for, for United under uh, Solskjaer. You know, defence was, was strong. Kylian Mbappe is the best young player in the world. We know that with that phenomenal pace. I mean, if I had a real criticism of, of Manchester United, it was with one or two individuals. Pogba, I thought, was 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 poor and actually was was having a few niggles in 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 his tackles. And I thought Ashley Young, for someone who's supposed to be a captain, to push Di Maria when he was already on a booking to push Di Maria down into to the hoardings was just naive, reckless, and he could have been sent off for that another yellow card. So I thought it was a bit naive by some of the Manchester United players. But look, Solskjaer has, has changed the mood there and one difficult evening against an outstanding French team um, is, is not going to cloud that. Henry mentioned there Alexis Sanchez. Bill, what's happened to him? He came on at the end of the first half and by the end of the 90 minutes, he'd contributed with zero shots, zero key passes and zero dribbles. Yeah, I mean, he went from being a world-class player at Arsenal. He went, he's gone backwards so far uh, under Mourinho, uh, whose style I don't think suited him at all. It was so uh, negative. It was going to take a while, if at all, to, to get back to his, his best. I mean, he is, has been such a great player. It's, it's, I think it's really worth giving him 10, 12 games, you know, really give him every chance to get back to uh, to his best. Um, although, of course, at the moment you'd put Martial in ahead of him on the, on the left because Martial's playing well when he's fit. But, yes, it is a... Uh, an issue for United, yeah. Uh, and the numbers, well, they don't favour United in overturning this deficit, do they, Bill? No, no, I don't. No team has lost the first uh, leg at home of a Champions League tie by two goals and gone on to win the tie. So they'd have to overturn that. And certainly PSG were, I thought they were fantastic. But mm. I, I mean, it would be a bit. It's a bit much to expect United to uh, to be better than PSG already. Solskjaer's turned it around brilliantly. I mean, he's. Uh, the main thing is he's just got them playing normally, positively again after five and a half years of pretty dire stuff quite often, um, you know, in terms of positivity. Also, he's improved the team a lot. I mean, they've swept aside almost all of the, you know, the moderate teams. I mean, there was a warning really with the match away to Tottenham when they won, but they were badly outplayed. So, so when they did come up against the really real elite they they were found wanting and again against PSG and I thought you know it's just going to take time because you know look at the best teams Liverpool Man City they play above themselves they're they're much better than the sum of their parts the manager's been there a long time and worked out a whole style of play Uh, managers are permanent managers this guy as of right now is still an interim manager you know it's no great surprise I mean and they were tactically they were so much better they were you know, when United play got the ball, three or four PSG players swarming around him. It's that sort of that sort of tactical stuff that told in the end. Do you think? Obviously, Henry alluded to it. Martial and and Lingard going out was a was a big blow. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, I wonder 
if maybe he wasn't, considering they were at home too, he wasn't a little too wedded to this notion of let's beat them with pace because I heard a lot of people talking about that. Ooh, how will Thiago Silva, who's old, deal with Martial and Rashford's pace? And it's kind of like, never you mind, how do the other guys deal with Mbappe? And not to mention that Thiago Silva may be old, but he's still quick. Kimpembe is quick, and Marquinhos is frankly off the scale. In fact, there's been some suggestion from people from PSG that Marquinhos is just as fast as Mbappe. So I, I wonder if maybe at that stage, would maybe Lukaku in a different approach? Might that have given them uh, a different a different edge at that point? Yeah, I mean, w- w- when it happened, I, was, I wrote at the time, why didn't he bring Dalot on at right back and push uh, Ashley out? Because some of Young's crosses attacking from right back were, were causing a little bit of problems. I just thought when Mata came on, I'm a huge fan of Mata, but more as a 10 than, than out wide. I think that sort of invited um, PSG onto that. But while we're talking about Manchester United, we, we, we have to. I'm just heading up to, to Carrington now to, to see one of the players. And I just know it's going to be a fairly sort of somber place because Eric Harrison, who I'm sure you know, you, you, you've all met, who's passed away, sadly, he's been ill for a while. And he was just such a sort of important part, almost a cornerstone with obviously Sir Alex Ferguson in the building of of you know this great Manchester United you know the the, the modern club obviously he helped develop as a, as a youth developer the, uh, the the class of ninety two and it's it's a desperately sad day and I'm sure that, that you know the club will be will be mourning him and they'll be showing their respect in, in matches to come but it's a deeply sad day for the club because because of the, the quality of man he was because of the the character that he instilled in that great class of ninety you know, Beckham, the Nevilles, um, Scholes, Giggs, Butts, you know, who've all gone on to do, you know, other things in sort of second careers, almost sort of third careers as well. So uh, a very sad day for the club. And I'm sure Manchester United will, will mark Eric Harrison's passing with, with great respect and solemnity in, in the games to come. So, you know, as we're talking about Manchester United, we have to mention Eric Harrison because that's the name on everyone's lips at Manchester United today. I completely agree. And just quickly to underscore that, I think when he became ill, I think maybe one or two years ago, there was a very, very moving piece by Gary Neville, uh, I think it was, who who went to see him along with other other members of the class of 92, and where he talked very openly about the impact that he had on um, that, that he had on his life. Uh, you know, not just in terms of creating a great footballer, but really helping mold these people. And I, th- I think it's obviously a sad day and, and a loss, you know, not just for Manchester United. You mentioned the, the youth there of Manchester United. What about the youth of PSG, Kylian Mbappe? Henry, you saw him in the flesh. He, he's got the world at his feet, doesn't he? Well, and they're flying feet as well. I mean, he's a remarkable player. I mean, that that run, I mean, Eric Bailly's no slouch. And Mbappe gave him sort of five almost 10-yard start, and he absolutely flew past him to get to get onto Di Maria's cross in. So, uh, I mean, interesting talking to people at PSG. This, this says there's, there's very little ego with him. He just wants to go and prove himself as a footballer game after game. He'll play in different positions. He'll play centre-four for them or sort of cutting in from out wide if, if necessary. We saw it in the World Cup. He's the best young player in the world. And, you know, inevitably, people are making comparisons with Rashford. They're different people, different um, upbringings in terms of you know what they had from the, from their club. 
different necessarily mood of the, the, the managers as well. And, you know, I'm sure Rashford will go away and look at it and will just appreciate what Mbappe has got because Rashford's got phenomenal pace. But just to attack the six-yard box, which is what Mbappe does, and Rashford will look at the video and become an even better player. But absolutely, in terms of the world's greatest young player at the moment, it's Kylian Mbappe. Just, just very quickly on that, Henry, before you go, what's your take on on Rashford? Because, I mean, I know that distinctions between positions up front can be a bit uh, nitpicky at times. And we know, obviously, Rashford effectively, you know, he's done very well at center forward now. Do you think his future, or indeed Mbappe's future, is playing through the middle as opposed to as, as opposed to on, on, on the wing? How do you see this? I mean, both of them have done both, obviously. I think Mbappe's just in, his intelligence, his reading of the game, how, how moves are developing. I think he's got that absolute hunger and the, the, the sense of a goal and absolutely can play through the middle like that. But I think uh, with, with Rashford, he, he's obviously going to do that on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's going to develop more and more by working with Solskjaer, listening to him. Obviously a great striker in his, his own playing days. But I think with England, he'll play in a 4-3-3 and he'll play wide on the left. But he, he showed, particularly with when Kane drops off, as it showed against Spain out in Seville, you know, he, there's such movement there with Raheem Sterling on the right as well. That those three will interchange. And maybe you know, with, with Kane dropping from a 9 to a 10, those two will sort of attack in. So he will, he will end up central for England. Finally, Gab, it, it was an historic week. The first time VAR has been used in the Champions League and across all four games. Yeah, Chuck, I just say that, Ali. That's kind of normal. It's only in this country with like the funny FA Cup, like, oh, well, we'll use it here, but not there, and for this and not that, because of the state. You know, mm-hmm. It's generally normal. Certain stage of a, of a competition have a level playing field. That, that's <laughs> kind of, you know, I know here it's a bit, you know, you guys are long. It's also new to us. History of doing things differently. <laughs> that's fine. You know. We're just very excited by it. So when we see it implemented, it's, oh, VAR's in use. But really, across the four games, it only really had an impact in Amsterdam. What did you make of it? Well, in Amsterdam, obviously, there was a huge incident. Part of this, I think, is also, if it wasn't Ajax and Real Madrid, if it had been two random teams, I think it might have been viewed differently because... Uh, you know, you pick up the Catalan press or the Dutch press today and you've got all these VAR-related issues and VAR in Madrid and, 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 and whatever, largely because of one decision that, that we can talk about. But I think it's also fed by the narrative that this young Ajax side really shocked Madrid, played really, really well in the first half, uh, other than, uh, and really later in the game too, and other than sort of their, their finishing, which was a bit wayward, but really took the game to them. Um, and on top of that, you have Real Madrid, who are seen as the powers that be, who've won three straight uh, European Cups, some of them with certain decisions that went their way. I'm thinking of the Bayern game a couple of years ago. So all these things together, you have this narrative, whoa, what's wrong with VAR? And people reopening the debates as if we hadn't been through all this you know, last summer in the World Cup, or indeed the year before that, when VAR was introduced in, in a bunch of leagues, including Germany and Italy. I don't think there was any uh, real argument. He did the, um, was it Tadic, was offside when the uh, the ball was headed into the net. So that's the objective bit. The subjective bit, was he interfering with Courtois, the goalkeeper? I think it's fairly clear he was. So 
I, I can't see why there'd be much of an argument. Okay, it, it all happened at great speed and nobody would have spotted it. Surely no official would have spotted it had it been played at normal speed. But, I mean, that's part of the reason you have VAR too. Well, you, you, you say that nobody would have. I mean... Yeah, maybe, but, maybe. I'm you know, right. the, it's the, very the other thing so that hard. we always need to remember when it comes to assistant referees is that if you're an assistant referee with VAR, you're told to only flag when you're 100% certain. And again, and, and we don't know this, but a lot of times what you see is VAR overturning an offside and people say, oh, look, that, that linesman's rubbish or why is it taking so long for him to flag? Well, you know, the reason is they're told not to flag. So, I mean, to me, the, the offside seemed pretty obvious, actually. It was the fact um, that it was the second phase. There'd been a, an initial shot yeah. that Courtois had stopped, and then it came in again, and your, your mind was scrambled. But so many things were going on. It would have been an incredible decision if the linesman had identified it and, and said offside. But, I mean, maybe he would. But there can't be any argument, really, about the final decision, I don't think. Well, can you also explain that the goal wasn't disallowed because he fouled Courtois, as some people suggested? The goal just, was disallowed because he was just in the way. I mean, he was he was interfering uh, with interfering, an opponent. Yeah, I think yeah. is the is a term, right? So, yeah, yeah, and you do that simply by standing in a certain position. Yeah, right? so you're, you're sort of in his eye line. You're 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 in a position where he the the goalkeeper doesn't have the ability to move right. around. You know, and you're uh, gaining an advantage from yeah. being in that position. Yeah. He's a distraction as well for the goalkeeper, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and in some ways it's unfair because what's poor Mister Tadic supposed to do? You know, he can't teleport somewhere else or make himself disappear but equally we see this other other offside I, I, I genuinely don't I mean maybe it's because Real Madrid played in a Madrid derby at the weekend there was a whole bunch of VAR related controversy there and it's the first season in Spain or whatever but I didn't quite get this I mean I think people are getting accustomed to it you know we said it's the only game where it was used but of course there's there's silent checks everywhere we just don't know that they're going on How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Time now for our weekly predictions game. A reminder, Gab, that I do lead this 13-7. 
years. Okay. It's also because we had that weird week as well when like Charlie decided no predictions this weekend for no apparent reason whatsoever, but whatever. That's and fine. At the end of the season, we're going to have a kind of roundup of Gab's 10 best excuses of the season. <laughs> no, it's not. It's reality. It'd be a nice little clip, though, to put together, a little montage. Okay, it is, of course, FA Cup weekend. So let's start at the Amex Saturday lunchtime. It is Brighton against Derby Gab. VAR will be in use, no? They have they have VAR at the Amex. It's one of the yes, chosen stadiums indeed. where you can. Um, okay, so this is interesting because I'm going to assume that Brighton are going to prioritize the Premier League, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to assume that Frank Lampard Jr. is also going to prioritize the Premier League because they're in danger of. Going up, right? They're in the playoffs or no, close to it? No, just outside. Okay. Um, so then becomes a case of, gee, whose second string is better than the other team's <laughs> second string? I'm going to go with the draw at 90 minutes. Ooh. No replays in the FA Cup fifth round. Has to be decided on the day. Extra time and penalties if needs be. You said you're going for a draw, but what scoreline? 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one. okay. I... I just have a feeling Brighton might edge it. I'm going for a 2-1 win in the 90 minutes. Frank Lampard Jr. won't be pleased. No. At Rodney Parade, of course, Newport, of course, quite a few shocks of late, haven't they, at home in the Cup. This time, of course, they take on Manchester City, 5.30 on Saturday evening. Obviously, we know what happened in Cup competitions against lower Mm -hmm. league teams before, (laughs) and indeed Chelsea as well. So um, something tells me we will both have the same result. We'll both have the same you know, result, but... Just a different I'm, score I'm actually, what the score <laughs> is. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll be as emphatic as it was against Burton, let's say. I am going to go for a 4-1 win for City. 4-1? Mm. Newport County on the, on, the, on the score sheet. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go City to win 5-0. Oh, Can I get bonus points for a Phil Foden hat trick? No. Charlie's oh, nodding. Charlie's nodding, Charlie's all right. That's that. three bonus points, one, one for each of Phil Foden's goals. <laughs> okay, then. Let's turn our attentions to the game at Ashton Gate, then, in the Cup. It is Bristol City against Wolves, which is a one o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Bristol City have that Gary Johnson's kid. Me, yeah. And, and, he's, and he's, he's, he's a good manager. He's considered Well, they're doing good. very well. They're there in the playoffs, you go. Yeah. And they're up against uh, Nuno, who's obviously... He's angering Rafa Benitez, but they're doing pretty well. I would assume, logically, that Wolves are going to put out a strong lineup because why not? Right? Mm. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, it's not like they're going to get into the they're top four this season. They're safe in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Um, with you. I'm going to suggest that this game is going to extra time again. Wow. Okay. Nil, nil. Nil, nil. Oh, I think that that Wolves will get the job done in the 90 minutes. They're going to win this one 2-1. Again with the Solihull Moors. Haven't we had this stuff before? Yeah, but they're doing so well. They went top of the National League. The National League. This week because they they were victorious in midweek at Aldershot. They host Barnet. They do. Oh, and they've got something in common with Brentford. They have. The nicknames? Yes. The bees. Yes, indeed. We're both you, bees. Would, you would think, like, there'd be enough things in this whole wide universe that, like, two teams, both from London, could differentiate. Who, who came up with the bees first? Well, I think, if I'm being honest, I think Barnet would come up with it first because they were in existence before Brentford were. Is that because they start with the letter B? 
I'm imagining so. Right. Is but that why Birmingham better... are also the bees? No, but see, they're not. The but isn't it more imaginative to be the bees than the blues or the reds? It's, even worse. it's not imaginative if you're copying it from Barney. No, but um, you know what I mean? As in, like, it's not that of all the nicknames it's in the world. Even worse, uh, you have three teams, three league teams called Robins. That's it. Bristol City, Swindon, and Cheltenham, all in a similar sort oh, yeah. of part of the country as well. You know, yes. surely trying to distinguish from each That's other. That's a bit mad. Cheltenham's nickname should be the Gold Cuppers or something. As far as I know, Cheltenham's known for two things. It's a spa town, mm-hmm. and they have that, that horse race that's very big in Ireland, the Gold Cup, right? The Cheltenham mm-hmm. Festival, yes. Yeah, the, the festival. So come up with a nickname associated with that rather than associated with a bird. Wouldn't they have to have a horse on their crest or something? Yeah, yeah and Swindon could be the roundabouts. <laughs> the roundabouts? Yeah. Yeah. Famous for roundabouts, yeah. isn't it? Swindon? Is it? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right by the ground. Yeah. There's yeah. loads of them. Many <laughs> roundabouts. Yeah, really yeah. little yeah. ones and all, yeah. So... We digress again. And Solihull are managed by former Southampton goalkeeper... Timmy Flowers, who I believe also has some England caps, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, they've only been in existence for 12 years, Natalie. This is really impressive. It and is. Barnet are, are doing badly, aren't they? They're not doing very well. Yeah, they're 17th yeah, so, in the National League. When you consider they wasn't that long ago, they were in the EFL. I've got my man Timmy and his crew taking this, uh, I'm going to say Solihull Moors, to Barnet nil. Oh, that's what I've got. I wouldn't be surprised if... Convenient. I know, I've got it written down. I can show you. I wouldn't this, is be... the, this is the equivalent of playing Catenaccio, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if Nathan Blissett scores. That's all I'm saying. Is he related to Luther? Is he? Is he related? He's, he's actually, Luther's yeah. nephew, I think. Oh, I didn't even know oh, that. I was, go. Go. I was thinking more Gary Blissett next B, of course. But anyway. Now, Perfect segue into one of Luther Blissett's old teams. In, <laughs> indeed, in Italy, we have Atalanta versus AC Milan. Yeah, high-scoring uh, Atalanta against mm. uh, Milan, who are they're, making... They're doing well, Atalanta, aren't they? They're doing absurdly well yeah. in a very small wage bill. Um, and they're facing a Milan side where people are getting really, really excited for their new striker, Christoph Piontek, who... Uh, Nobody seemed to rape before he came over in the summer. Actually signed for, for Genoa, scored a ton of goals. He, he, weirdly, he only had one cap before this year. And the guy's 23 years old. It's not like he's 17. And he's up to, I think, 15 goals this season. Mm-hmm. I realized I predicted first last time. So let's see okay. what you have to say. All so right, that's fine. Own copy me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I think they faced each other, I think, in September. It was a two-all draw. They're both in good form. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be 1-1. I think Milan get this. PMP, Paqueta, Piontek. Uh, <laughs> Paqueta to set up Piontek and Milan to win 1 0. Just time to give you the answer then to Bill Edgar's trivia teaser. We asked Paul Scholes this week became the eighth former England international to be a current manager of a league club when he joined Oldham. Who are the other seven? Now, we suggested six. We got six of them. They're all correct, were they, right? Were they all right that we got? The um, six? Five, five of the six were correct. Firstly, Gab's point about uh, English managers being more prevalent in the lower leagues is correct. And, uh, Jeez, thank you. As, and as a result, no, none of these uh, eight in, former England players are managed in, in the five? Premier League. Right. Yeah. Saul so, Campbell, well, right? Uh, you got... Uh, Steve Bruce. Hang on, wait. Let, Bill's going to tell us. Okay. So seven others apart from Scholes. So th- the one you didn't get when you thought you got was Steve Bruce, who's uh, kind of... Famously, the you know people might say the best player 
never to play for England or no. at least on paper he won multiple titles with Man United but never you think that's a banker as well yeah, aren't you but he never, never played for England I, I, I thought he had at least like one throwaway cap no not even a throwaway cap wow no. that is how did Steve Bruce not didn't he score like 20 goals in a season one year yeah no, when they won the Cup Winners Cup in 91 he I scored, feel like yeah, my mind has been blown right now Gary Pallister his uh, centre back partner with Man United he played plenty of times for England but he was the one who got chosen not Steve Bruce <sighs> Well, did, they, did like Des Walker and people like that play in there with yeah, Terry Des Butcher? Walker was, yeah, clearly, yeah. Des Walker was yeah. really fast, but he yeah. couldn't really pass the ball, could he? At least not. Yeah, I mean, Tony Adams, obviously. Was all right, all right, all right. Well, we digress, anyway, we digress. In the championship, there's one. Frank Lampard, you're correct we in got saying it. that. We there got that three one. Three in League One. Uh, Joey Barton. We correct. got that one. Well done, Fleetwood. Lee Bowyer, correct. Yeah. Very two, good. Two with disciplinary uh, <laughs> fills passed. And the third one, uh, Clue, is a uh, got to the League Cup semi-final this year. Nigel Clough. Oh, Nigel, Nigel Clough, Clough. yes. Oh. He played a ten. You even mentioned Burton Albion earlier. I know, didn't yeah. think. Yeah. And um, then into League Two, uh, aside from Skulls, there are three others. Sol Campbell, you said. Chris Powell, you said. Yeah. And the last one is uh, he was a centre-back and right-back. I think he played right-back for England, if I can remember. He was at Manchester City. Paul Parker? No, he was Manchester City. Uh, I think he was from, is he from Bristol or something? Uh, but he, the club he's at now is the very isolated geographically, and you mentioned them earlier, Carlisle. The Carlisle manager. Oh, it, I know. Carl d- d- uh, no, it's... Um... No, no, give me a clue on the player. What is this like? This, this well, I've, give, I've given you quite a lot. Oh, uh, I he's, I don't know. Uh, Keith Curl. Keith Curl. Yes. Yes. Well done. Why oh. couldn't you have said former Wimbledon defender? <laughs> yes? Oh, my God. Move for two and a half one, million pounds? Because that would have to... you would have got it straight away. I, weirdly, because you retain weird facts from your childhood, I would have known that because I... <laughs> I think I'm right in saying he moved for two and a half million pounds from Wimbledon to Manchester City and broke the record at the time held by another English central defender who moved to Manchester United and who you mentioned a few minutes ago. That was Gary Pallister, 2.3 million. Uh-huh. So that would I would have gotten it if you'd only done that. There's all this Carlisle nonsense. <laughs> That was a good quiz question. We like that one. Uh, that is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, Henry Winter and Bill Edgar. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times as well as The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online or on your smartphone or tablet. Just one pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more. We were back on Monday. Looking ahead to more Champions League action, aren't we lucky? It is Liverpool, Gab, versus... Bayern München. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.